Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible and to fall in love with Jesus. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly, incredibly grateful that you're here. Hello, happy Friday, and welcome to episode 99. Just as a reminder, I have a little giveaway going over on Instagram. I am giving away a Bible. It's a really beautiful um, leather Bible. You can choose either King James or New Living. Several of my friends have this Bible, and it's very, very pretty. Giving away 100 little puntini um, Italian candies. They're kind of a cross between a hard candy and a soft candy. I love them. They are so tiny and so adorable. And they come in fun, bright colored wrappers. Then I'm giving away some incredibly beautiful cards from Hobby Lobby. They're um, part of Sadie Robertson's Live Original line. I just happened to run across them the other day. And they are so, so beautiful. They have scriptures inside. And also a $100 Visa gift card. So some fun things. I'm excited to send it to somebody. And I'm just excited. It really is incredible that this is episode 100. If you guys knew what a challenge it was for me to get this podcast up and running, just technically um, and in terms of intimidation from the enemy, so, so many other factors, time constraints. It really is nothing short of a miracle. And I'm thankful for all of you who have joined in along the way. I wish I had time to meet each one of you and go to coffee with each one of you, but maybe when we get to heaven, we'll get to meet up. I hope so. Today, I am going to talk about a little lie that possibly every single person who has set out to establish the habit of Bible reading and prayer, or even once you've had the habit established, hears. And that lie is you're not praying correctly. You're not reading your Bible correctly. You're not doing it right. Back in October, um, when Brother Woodward was on the podcast, and I would encourage you to listen to that episode. He had so many good things to share. If you haven't heard it, go back and check it out. I don't even know what number it was, but it was in October. He said, being in ministry around 40 years now, one of the things people struggle with is I'm not doing Bible reading right. I'm not doing prayer right. I'm not doing it as good as somebody else. And unfortunately, in the apostolic faith, we go to big, powerful, wonderful meetings, and we tend to let those victory stories, the stories of success and about somebody else's powerful experience with God. That's wonderful. But the challenge is somebody in the audience hears that, and they're brand new in their prayer life, or they're brand new in their Bible reading, and they think, my goodness, I could never do that. I can't get insights like pastor. I can't pray like that elder saint that sits across the aisle from me, so they just give up. So I would say do things in bite-sized chunks. Don't read 10 chapters a day because you heard somebody say they read 10 chapters a day. Don't start by praying an hour a day because you heard somebody say that you have to pray an hour a day. Start like you'd start anything else. You don't start playing concertos the first month you take piano lessons. 
Start where you are and move forward. Keep it your goal to move forward. Do a little bit. It would be better to read for five minutes and pray for five minutes than to just throw up your hands and say, I tried to do an hour and I couldn't. Just do something and grow from there. And I so agree with Brother Woodward. A lot of people, including myself, have heard the phrase, I'm not doing Bible reading and prayer, right? I'm not doing it as good as somebody else. And I just wanted to remind us, you and I, that prayer and Bible reading are a conversation with God and we cannot do it wrong. And again, this is something that I've heard repeatedly over the years, certainly not every day, but just there's different days where the battle is a little bit more intense when we fight for this habit a little bit more. And I've heard things like, you should sound like this, or you should pray longer, you should stick more closely to a pattern, you should read more chapters, you should, you should, you should. You're not praying right. You're not doing your Bible reading right. And I just want to take a moment and say to the devil, shut up. He is trying to do everything in his power to keep us from, number one, first and foremost, establishing the habit of Bible reading and prayer and two, from continuing in it daily. And he will use that lie or comparisons or distraction or any other thing that he can to shut down our prayer time, to shut down our connection to the word of God and the presence of God, because that's his MO. He absolutely wants to sever the connection that we have to our power source. He wants to sabotage our relationship with Jesus and whatever he can do to do that, he will do, even if it's lying to us and telling us we're doing it incorrectly. And so today, I just want to call that lie out. I just want to point it out. Maybe you've heard that in your head. Maybe you felt comparison or just, again, that simple lie that's so effective and it's discouraged you and caused you just to give up. But I just want to remind you, That if you are setting aside time for God, you are doing it right. If you are setting aside time to read the word of God and allowing it to talk to you, you are doing it right. Now, there's a few caveats. We know that James says we can pray amiss. We can pray with impure motives. We can pray with unforgiveness in our hearts. And those things can kind of form a, a block to the effectiveness of our prayer. So, I do, we do understand that, right? Scripturally, there's a verse even in 1 Peter 3, 7, where um, God writes through Peter and says, husbands should dwell with their wives with understanding to give them honor as to the weaker vessel. And he even says that your prayers may not be hindered. And that word hindered means cut off. So the Bible does say that there are attitudes and other things that we could do to cut off the effectiveness of our prayers. But... Even with that said, keep praying. Keep reading the Bible. Our pastor recently said in an amazing series that he did on the life of David recently, even flawed people can have amazing prayer lives because prayer is not performance. And it really is in the word and the presence of God that he reveals areas of our hearts and our lives that need to be changed. He makes the changes. He does the deep healing in that place where we're just in secret converse with him. It's there that we get to process through pain. It's there that we daily make the choice to forgive and are forgiven by him. It's there that he gives us direction for our day. This is like um, command central for our walk with God and for our lives, for our Christian life. 
And don't let the lie that you're not doing it right keep you from establishing a discipline that will be the absolute foundation of the relationship you were made for. Start small, be consistent. When you're not consistent, get back with it. And don't listen to the, the lie that says you're not praying right, you're not reading your Bible right, you're not doing it right. Don't let the enemy keep you from the absolute best thing ever. Today, I'm going to share an unedited journal entry called I Have Not a Cake. Last week's episode was about Elijah and Elisha, and this is another episode or another entry about Elijah. Um, just felt to share this. When God originally laid the idea, not even an idea, he, what he impressed on my heart was publish pieces of your journals. It was April 18th. I would know where I was. It was just such a distinct moment. But that was just a command with no specific instructions. And I have had to walk in figuring out what it looked like and taking all the raw ingredients of years and years of journaling and figuring out what that looked like. And I have tried to walk in obedience to the command of God. And he has been so faithful through an incredibly difficult process. Um, Anyone who's shared words before knows that it is very intimidating, um, especially when you set out to do it in the beginning and you've never really done it before. And so for me, this entry is personal in the sense that I feel God called me to give him something or do something that I didn't really have. I didn't know how to do. But as we see in the word of God, he has a way of making something out of nothing. He has a way of taking raw ingredients and performing miracles. He has a way of multiplying. Think of the two loaves and the five fish. God can take the little that we have, even when it feels like it's not enough or it could never really amount to much, and he will use it for his glory. And so today's unedited journal entry, I have not a cake. I have not a cake. This morning, I was reminded of a little line out of 1 Kings 17 that God had used to minister to me back in August. I have not a cake. The first time Elijah's name is mentioned in scripture is 1 Kings 17.1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah is a bold man, and this word spoken to King Ahab comes to pass. For a season... As this three-year famine commences, God tells Elijah to hide himself by the brook Cherith. Random side note, Cherith is number 3747 and means a cutting, a cut, a separation. I find it interesting at the outset of Elijah's ministry, he was required to stay at a place of cutting, separation. I don't want to read in what's not there, but just something I noted. Elijah hides by the brook Cherith according to the word of the Lord and is supernaturally sustained by the water of the brook and by food delivered twice by ravens. Wow, I've fed birds from my hand, but I've never had birds feed me. Sign me up. But there comes a day where the brook dries up 
and God tells Elijah next steps. Matthew Henry says, We have here an account of the further protection Elijah was taken under and the further provision made for him in his retirement. At destruction and famine he shall laugh that has God for his friend to guard and maintain him. The word of the Lord again comes to Elijah and says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I find this interesting. Undoubtedly, God could have continued the miracle the same way it had been unfolding for the entire three-year stretch of famine. He is God, and he could certainly have allowed a supernatural stream to continue to flow, but the brook dried up. So God could script in an unexpected player. I don't understand all his reasons, but this transition in provision proves that God can choose whatever means and methods he prefers to do the miracle, even change veins in the middle of a long miracle. And this shift in supernatural catering opened the door for two more notable miracles. Elijah is obedient to God's command, goes to Zarephath, and just as he arrives at the gate of the city, he spots a widow woman gathering sticks. He calls to her and says, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. She turns to get him a drink, and as she's walking away, he calls to her again and says, Bring me a morsel of bread in thy hand. She responds by saying, I have not a cake. I don't have what you're asking for. I don't have a finished product to offer you. I don't have something complete. And then she carries on. But a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and for my son that we may eat it and die. Here is a woman in a dire situation. She has only the teeniest, tiniest amount of what is needed to bake one final meal for herself and her son. She has a handful a little, just enough that the fire from two sticks will cook it. And now another person in a dire situation is asking her to share. Their mutual needs are met in this moment. Elijah responds to her explanation of the circumstances by saying, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah asks quite a lot of this woman at the end of her road. Take that little you have and serve up my meal first. After, cook for yourself and for your son. But that difficult request came with the promise of the miraculous. She would serve the man of God and thereby God himself first, and they would be sustained by that handful of meal and that little oil until the famine concluded. Actually, until the exact day that God would send rain. Scripture continues, She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Here is the primary thought I've been gleaning from this story. This little widow woman didn't have a product, a completed cake to give Elijah. She didn't even have exactly what he asked for. But she did have the raw ingredients for the miraculous. She didn't even have a lot of raw ingredients. What she had didn't amount to much, and it certainly would not have seemed like enough. But if she would walk in humble obedience to the word of the Lord and serve someone else's needs ahead of her own, her little would last. 
Her insufficient supply would become supernatural sustenance for herself and for others. There are moments in life where God asks things from us and we don't have the final result in our hand to offer in the current moment. There have been things he's asked from me and my only response is to echo the little widow woman, I have not a cake. I don't have what you're asking for, God. I don't have the specific thing you're requesting. All I've got left is the teeniest tiny bit. Just enough of me to eke out one more day and what I have is crushed, it's ground, it's a handful. But I also have a little oil. I don't have a cake, I don't have an answer, I don't have the victory report in my hand. I don't have a finalized project. I can't wrap this up with a bow right now. But at your word, I will take this scant amount of raw ingredients and by faith, work and mix it, a little brokenness and a little anointing, this tiny bit that's certainly not enough to my human mind, and I will serve you and others first. With that final little cake offered up as a sacrifice, with those raw ingredients mingled and put in the fire, I'll see miracle provision. I don't have a cake right now, but if I will obey, if I will serve you and others first, I will have many cakes. The raw ingredients won't be used up, they'll multiply. That handful of crushed powder and that little bit of oil will sustain myself and others until the precise moment the famine wraps up. That is exactly what happened for the widow of Zarephath. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. A bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, New King James. The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run out, Christian standard. When Elijah asked her for a cake, she could have simply answered, I have not a cake, and concluded the conversation. The story could have ended there because that was the truth and the ending seemed inevitable. But she continued on and told him what she did have and how bad the situation was. Two sticks, a handful, a little, and then death. That simple confession of insufficiency and near hopelessness gave way to instructions from Elijah, which as scripture tells us was actually God. And though those instructions seemed ludicrous and unlikely, she obeyed. And out of the simple obedience and service, the insufficient was stretched. The little was increased. The raw ingredients were the cake. The raw ingredients in minimal amounts were the miracle. So when God asks for what we don't have, when all we can say is, I have not a cake and death and finality look inevitable, let's not stop there. Let's continue on. I don't have exactly what you're asking for in this moment, but this is what I do have, and this is how desperate my situation looks. And if you give me instructions, I will obey. I will take the little that looks like it could never be enough, and I will work, and I will give the little I've got to you first. I will seek first your kingdom. I will serve others ahead of myself. And I believe these raw ingredients are the material for a miracle. The little that's left in these final moments is the final answer. It is the provision. It is my cake. And I will give it to you first. I have not a cake. Such a simple little thought. Um, God had used it to minister to me so deeply. I just ran across that line, I have not a cake. 
one morning when I really didn't have a lot of time actually and it was several months later that God reminded me of it and re-ministered to me through that little line he is just so faithful and so good to minister through his word and he speaks through his word in such profound and powerful ways and today I just wanted to again call out that lie that says you're not doing it right you and I are learning to walk with Jesus we're learning to seek him we're learning to pursue him to please him And remember, God created you to be an individual. You are unique. You have a unique personality. You have unique giftings. You have a unique set of strengths and weaknesses. So many other things that make you individual. And your relationship with Jesus is not going to look like anybody else's. And when the devil shows up with that lie that says, you're not reading your Bible right, you're not praying right, tell him to shut up and keep on praying. Keep on reading. Thank you so, so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.